Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we talk leadership. Fortunately, I've got a very strong team around me, a very experienced team around me, who I've been working with now for you know a number of years. So in my own mind, I know they don't need that absolute day-to-day guidance. They understand what the business is trying to do and they understand how they need to deliver it. Fail early is a statement I live by now because sometimes you can stay too long thinking something is a good idea and putting a lot of time and effort and and money into something where actually it transpires. Perhaps the market opportunity wasn't there. What makes a good leader? Where's the dividing line between delegation and knowing what's going on? And how do you keep a business going and grow it during a pandemic? We have a clear view of management techniques with maximum intelligence this week on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Yep, Nick Lanigan, Managing Director of Clearview Intelligence, talks leadership with us on this week's podcast. And that's to come along with some great news about this here podcast as well this week. And talking of intelligence, here's Highways News co-owner Adrian Tatum. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I think you you took you didn't take the bait there, sir. Um, what's caught <laughs> no. your eye on our site this week, mate? So, Highways England has started the search for companies interested in helping it deliver its next generation pavement delivery framework. The new framework will replace the existing surfacing and pavement arrangement, and the formal invitation expected in February 22. But but Highways England is looking for interested parties, and we'll do an industry day later in June. Highways new supporter Gaist and winter service technology company Safeco have entered a new partnership that will give local authorities a real-time view on condition and performance of their road networks during the winter. Um, Some really interesting stuff there from Gaist and Safeco supporting. Um, Called our council, despite all that's going on with cuts at the moment, has approved a £13.75 billion spend for 2021-22 for its Highways Capital Programme. And Highways England again confirming £280 million investment to improve roads, pavements and bridges in the east of England. Meanwhile, tomorrow is Clean Air Day and we'll have a couple of interesting transport related stories to share. But one story from yesterday that's well worth a look is that GLOSA dramatically reduces emissions. GLOSA, if you don't know, stands for Green Light Optimised Speed Advisory and it's had a great effect when being trialled near Manchester. So you can read about that, about our friends at Unoptic joining TRL's Smart Mobility Living Lab, Ford's Connected Car Solution that alerts you if someone's tam- with your car and even yours truly appearing as a guest on Radio 4. You get all the news that matters in our industry every weekday lunchtime with our midday briefing. Make sure you've signed up at highwaysnews.com. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Here at Highways News, we like to share best practice and ideas from industry leaders, and we've had plenty already over the 20 weeks we've been doing this podcast. And we have another today, Nick Lanigan, Managing Director of Clearview intelligence he joins us this week not to give us a sales pitch for his company but to share his thoughts on how to lead a company and i asked him first what he thinks makes a good leader i've been doing uh the, the role of clearview now for quite some time and and other leadership roles prior to that and i think over time you, you develop a clear clear management style and for me one of the key traits i've always tried to demonstrate is empathy I think when you work in an environment, particularly an environment which we have today, which is now quite diverse, 
and very and, and quite complex in some ways with the impact of what COVID has done and having to manage different people in different ways in different situations. You have to develop that empathy and try and get behind the individual, understand the situation which everybody is working in, and and listen. You know, so very important to develop those those listening skills because whether we like it or not, you know, work these days isn't an environment which is nine to five within the confines of an office with a very rigid management structure. There has to be flexibility. There has to be empathy. And I think that that one of the positive things for me that's come out of COVID is the, is the move towards a much more healthy, say, work-life balance, but giving people that room, that freedom to balance the needs of the, of the role that they do within the business with the demands and the needs they have at home. So that, that whole ability to develop those skills, to listen, to understand, whilst not losing focus on the job in hand is absolutely key for me. So you're kind of doing the old football manager thing of saying that some people need an arm around the shoulder and encouragement and others need a kick up the backside, but there's no one size fits all solution for managing people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great analogy. And having played football for a number of years in the past, not so much now, of course, but, you know, yeah. And, and having led teams and I think you're right. There is, there is no, so no silver bullet. I think it's very much understanding individual skills, individuals, mindsets. And, and for me, you know, give the team around you that sort of autonomy as well. So they understand their role they're there to do. They understand why they're there to do it. They don't need me on their shoulder, me in their ear every day of the week, every, any, every minute of the day, you know, they know what these guys are, Good guys, they're clever guys. They understand their field of expertise. Give them the freedom to express themselves. Let them come to you with a problem, but don't leave you with the problem. You know, they, you, you want those guys to also come up with solutions. And I find giving people that that freedom and that flexibility, you get it back. You'll get it back in spades because they respect and appreciate the trust and the faith you've got in them to do the job. How do you work out what's important that you need to know and what you can delegate and therefore make sure that you're not a micromanager of everything or even worse, a boss I once had who another colleague of mine coined the phrase drive-by management because he would occasionally turn up and generally make things worse and then disappear again and then you would suddenly get him spot something else three months later and suddenly stick his nose into that without really knowing the context? I don't think anybody starts out in their career knowing any of this. You know, you clearly you've got a certain amount of innate ability in the same way you have a certain amount of natural ability when it comes to things like sport. But I think you develop those skills over time. But I think the further you've got the, the sort of, you want to call it the management tree for want of a better term, I think you learn to recognise what is urgent and what is important and also the things that are, you know, are going to impact the governance of the business. And for me, where I'm absolutely, you know, keen to make sure I maintain my attention isn't necessarily on the day-to-day tactical issues that sit within the business. I've got guys around me who are more than capable of resolving that. You know, for me, if it's something that will have a strategic impact or something that could impact the governance of the business, then that's when I would say that's when I need to be involved. That's when I need to be kept aware and particularly around in the sort of environment we're working today, health and safety is clearly absolutely key. And in our industry where you've got guys working at roadside in very, very hazardous environments, for me, it's absolutely important that I'm aware of everything or any minor issue or anything that could impact someone's safety when they're doing their day-to-day role. 
and anything we can be doing to improve that, I'm more than prepared to listen. Interesting you mentioned that because, of course, one of the stories we've run a couple of times on uh, Highways News over the uh, year and a bit we've been uh, producing our daily emails is your proximity detectors. You suddenly got into that market and actually ended up, therefore, getting into the television market, which I doubt a year ago you'd have ever thought you'd have ITV as a client. Um, how did that come about? Um, what made you plump for that? And what once, you know, please God, in a month's time, it was supposed to be next week, but, you know, we've got another month to wait. Please let it be then. Once social distancing, for example, is is reduced, what can you do with the sensors that you have? It's interesting. I mean, the, the, you're right. If you go back 12 months when we sat down, we're sort of looking at our business strategy for the next three years. I wouldn't say that, you know, that, that aspect of, or that, that particular solution was, was high on our list. But as ever, I think as clearly over time as demonstrated, we, we, are, we will respond to opportunity. We will, we will try and we will respond to uh, market need. Um, and a partner of the business for a long time, a guy called Neil Levitt, I'm sure many people will know, approached us and said he'd, you know, he'd been looking at this, this interesting technology for the purpose of social distancing, um, and would we be interested in understanding more about how we can, you know, make keep people safe? Uh, so we had a couple of meetings with uh, with Neil and the and the the guys who were bringing the technology to market, and saw an immediate opportunity. But when we saw the immediate opportunity, the, the, already the grey matter started worrying, and we thought, hold on a minute, this has to have an application, particularly in our space. So if we think about the challenges that the guys by roadside are facing every day with incursions into roadworks to name but one, this technology suddenly seemed a great fit, saying, hey, we can do something. We can, we can find that link between not just person to person, but plant to person as well, that then, then will reduce the number of incidents and accidents and, dare I say, fatalities on the road network. This could be a really good application. So that's really how it's evolved. So it did play a place absolutely with the social distancing. And you're right, we got ITV to the table because they were looking for something that went with their outside broadcast crews and others. So to make sure they maintain that social distancing when, when uh, producing programs. But really the, the, the core for me and the real interest for me was when it started to look into our core market and saying, hey, what can we can, this has got fantastic potential to really add value and make a difference because let's not you know, forget one of Clear, Clearview's core messages and strands and what we stand for is around safety. We've been in road safety and route safety for a number of years. So this isn't for me something that sits disparate from the rest of what we do. It fits absolutely alongside the rest of our proposition. Fascinating then. So as a leader, you had kind of two things that you really had to concentrate on simultaneously when the pandemic hit. One was keeping the business going, changing modus operandi, keeping all the staff motivated and being able to work efficiently in a completely new way. And at the same time, looking for new opportunities and maybe reuse of existing technology for new solutions. Yeah, and, and like many, you know, this has been the hardest challenge we've faced as a business, but I've always been a great believer in out of adversity comes opportunity. And I think that, you know, as an SME, and let's not forget, that's where, what Clearview are, I think sometimes people have a perception that Clearview is a much bigger business than it actually is. And an SME, part of your DNA is that you've always got to be 
maintaining that flexibility and responsiveness to, as I said, market need and market trends. And that's exactly what we have to do. We had the commercial challenge of saying, well, you know, we've got to get the bit, navigate the business through this and make sure that we can continue to, to trade effectively and continue to look after the guys using the various um, you know, funding schemes like the job retention scheme that's available, which we did utilise in the very early stages. But I'm pleased to say we actually came through the process quite well. And during that process, absolutely, some of the innovation that, that sort of came out of uh, the team was fantastic. And I actually think now we are in a, in a stronger place to now push forward with our three-year business plan that we've just recently presented um, than perhaps we were before COVID because it did give everybody the ability to take stock of the business, look at what was working, what maybe wasn't working quite so well, but also look at those gaps in the portfolio and some of those new technologies that we needed to bring through. And those new technologies, how have you been able to react to changes in the way people move around? We've got uh, far less use of public transport at the moment, more people driving, but also more people walking and cycling. Well, it's strange, isn't it? Because, you know, we've been in obviously in traffic counting, as it was known, for years and years and years. Uh, And one thing that came out of COVID was it became very apparent that a number of local authorities had neglected their their estate of technology for doing traffic counting and collecting traffic data. And suddenly a sort of a, I wouldn't say a a line or an industry that had been relatively flat for a number of years, suddenly there was a, a real upsurge because they now needed to provide data. They now need to collect data and present that back up to central government. So we saw a shift in that respect for what we'd consider to be our, you know, our traditional market. But yeah, the active travel market that sort of has, has evolved, and I always find active travel an interesting term, but we we were already, um, I guess, engaged in this sort of um, technology around counting people, counting cycles, cycle safety, pedestrian safety. So the sort of the whole shift towards active travel and has really worked for us because We've now been able to take to market our our Connect LiDAR pedestrian cycle detection capability. But it was that wasn't necessarily, it was almost aided by what had happened with COVID because in some ways we're a little bit ahead of the curve because we already had developed that capability prior to that. So it was interesting. So we saw both a shift towards some of the newer, say, active travel solutions, but at the same time, some of the core technology that we'd, we'd been sort of serving the market with for years also saw you know, a change because of the need of local authorities to to refresh their traffic counting estates. How much is your role about leading your team and obviously being answerable to to the board and their direction that they give you? And how much do you see your role as managing director of an SME to actually be a leader within the industry? Well, it's interesting. Clearly, with, you know, in the role of managing director, it, it, it encompasses all of those things. I think the the need to lead the team per se day to day, fortunately, I've got a very strong team around me, a very experienced team around me, who I've been working with now for you know a number of years. So in my own mind, I know they don't need that absolute day-to-day guidance. They understand what the business is trying to do and they understand how they need to deliver it. I've obviously got the role of, of doing the stakeholder management, which is managing the principal shareholders of John Modeski and the board that sits with him. And again, I've worked with that team for a number of years. And really, it's just understanding that that level of governance that is required, 
that stakeholder management that is required. And similarly with any financial institutions that sit in and around the business as well. But for me, it's, it's as much about Clearview Intelligence, the brand, as it is about Nick Lanigan, the brand, because Clearview Intelligence, I think, has now got a reputation within the industry that's built up, certainly over the last five years in particular, but longer when it was Clearview Traffic and, and even before that, as being a very pioneering, innovative, you know, thought-leading business where I think people will look at it and say, hey, do you know Clearview? I know Clearview. Yeah, they've got some, they've got some really great solutions. Those guys know what they're doing. You, you go to them with a problem, they'll come back to you with a solution. And I like to think that's been sort of part of something that I've created and created that sort of brand and that brand value as much as perhaps your own brand value through association with that. So I think that that for me has been how I'd see it rather than it being, hey, there's Nick Lanigan. He's always coming up with great ideas. He's always speaking at events. He's always doing this. For me, it's more important to be. It's about putting forward Clearview Intelligence, the brand. And I think we've developed a really strong brand because of that. Obviously, the big issue around this year other than COVID is going to be COP26 and the environmental aspect of transport specifically. What are you doing in that space? Well, it's interesting because Clearview for a long time has been associated with very low power stroke renewably powered technology. You know, if I look at our flagship solution, you know, the solar light road stud, it's almost purpose built now for the, the challenges that the country is facing around climate change and reducing carbon emissions. And similarly, our other technologies and our other solutions that we deliver are all very much based on solar power, or in some cases, again, with our sort of crowdsource journey time solution, no power, no infrastructure at all. It's a purely digital solution. So in some ways, we'll continue to develop those solutions using renewable energy, solar power, to meet the needs and meet the demands of climate change. But as I say, for us, we've been doing that for a number of years. So we believe we're very well placed. And we were going to exhibit, or we certainly applied to exhibit at COP26 in Glasgow, because obviously we have a base in Glasgow. We have a very strong presence in Scotland, very successful business in Scotland. So we are looking to participate in, in some shape or form, working with Glasgow as a city, and looking to support the COP26 event. So, yeah, for me, you know, it's something which I think we can we can do an awful lot um, to support that shift in our market, in our sector, with that move to more, towards more sustainable solutions. You said about the last five years and going from strength to strength in the last five years. Obviously, that doesn't just happen. How tough has it been to make those changes and make those improvements to the business and grow the business? And how much would you possibly, now you've learnt from it, uh, change your approach and, and do things differently? Well, I, I won't say it's been easy. Running an SME with, how should we say, limited resources is always challenging. It means the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, you've got to try and be as sure as you can they are the right choices. And I think you know the market continues to be evolved. It continues to be, become more challenging. And I think the most challenging thing I find now is the number of disruptive startup businesses that come into the industry with a, a lovely bit of technology, you know, whether it's you know uh, artificial intelligence, you know, video analytics, you you name it, it's all out there. The, you know, the, the move towards connected vehicles, and for someone like Clearview to sort of continue to be able to 
not say fend off because it's not quite the right word, but be able to keep pace with how the technology life cycle, but at the same time, be able to counter some of these challenges that startups with venture capital backing behind them and throwing loads of resource at something and going out to the market and, you know, sharing, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and you can have it for nothing. And it, it becomes a challenge. It's a challenge, not just because, hey, it may well be a great bit of tech, but also it, it does disrupt the market, but not just disrupt it from a technology perspective, but from a commercial perspective, because in some ways it tries to turn the market a little bit on its head. And you as a relatively mature business who's got a well-established business model and well-established relationships can sometimes find it difficult to, to respond to that. And, and in some ways it can be a little, it can appear a little bit unfair because you're thinking, hold on, you know, we've been doing this for a number of years and we've built these long-standing relationships. And now we've got this, you know, something over here, which we're, we're not quite sure how we can manage that. But we do. We, we do get through that and we do respond and, and we manage to, to keep the business growing. But I think it is that through that five-year period, whether it's sort of just macroeconomic challenges, whether it's technology challenges, you have to just learn to think on your feet. And in terms of, you know, things you do differently, I think it's like anything in life. Because you become emotionally detached to what you do, I think it's always like fail early is a statement I live by now because sometimes you can stay too long thinking something is a good idea and putting a lot of time and effort and, and money into something where actually it transpires perhaps the market opportunity wasn't there in the way you thought it was, but you're three years in before you've almost you know, realised that. So I think we've learned to now recognise if something doesn't look like it's going to actually be what we thought it was going to be, let's let's draw a line and move on onto something which we think now probably has greater potential. So it's just that ability with an SME, as I say, it, it trains you it, 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 to be able to make those kind of decisions because you have to. Nick Lanigan, Managing Director of Clearview, one of our series of chats with industry leaders here on Highways Voices. Don't forget to subscribe to Highways Voices to keep up to date with the latest edition. We're on your favourite podcast platform. A bit of news about this podcast and a major event to come in a moment. But first, Adrian's back to salute a big contribution to our industry. It's Adrian's accolade. So hello again, Adrian. Who's getting your credit this week? Um, Well, this one is... As someone that's doing, doing about to do a lot of work for charity and a worthwhile charity indeed. I mean, they're all worthwhile, but this one in particular, as you'll find out in a minute, WJ operative Jason Riley and his friend Peter will take on the huge challenge unassisted of riding from John O'Groats to Land's End in aid of the Cradle Charity. Now, the Cradle Charity, this is a charity set up to support women who have ectopic pregnancies, and Julie Lindop, who is a WJ Health and Safety Administrator, is actually ambassador for this charity, having having suffered herself three times over the years, one of which um, nearly cost her her life, sadly. But she's giving back, and uh, Jason and his friend Peter certainly are, by doing this challenge, over 960 miles, starting on the 23rd of June. If you go to our story on, on highwaysnews.com and scroll down to the bottom, you can support them if you wish. But um, that, that's definitely my accolade this week. And a very worthwhile one and worthy one as well. Thank you very much, Adrian. And congratulations to Jason Riley for winning Adrian's Accolade this week. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com.
So before we go, I want to just tell you a bit of good news about Highways Voices. We're really delighted to be a media partner and the official podcast provider of Highways UK, which is the leading event in the transport and highways industry. It takes place at the NEC this year on the 3rd and 4th of November. And I am so looking forward to seeing people in three dimensions going to an event, sitting in sessions, walking around the exhibition and just catching up with people and I'm going to be there for a couple of days doing podcasts interviewing key speakers and exhibitors at this flagship event it is the event not to be missed in the highways calendar and so let's find out a little bit more about it with Paul Wheeler who is content director for Highways UK and joins me now Paul I'm absolutely delighted to be working with you um, you must be delighted to be planning a real event yeah, ab absolutely, Paul. Notwithstanding the current delays, uh, we're 100% behind making this year's event in person. There's clearly a huge pent-up demand in the sector to get out and, and meet face-to-face. -face. If you look at where we are currently compared to 2019, we're actually tracking slightly ahead. So if, if you came to the event in 2019 and you were blown away by the scale of who was there and how many people were there and how many people of importance were there, we're right on target to be delivering at least the same. So that's, that's absolutely fantastic. People clearly want to get out and uh, do that meeting thing. And I think it's amazing that when you think about it, Highways UK isn't that old. It was only, what, five, six, seven years ago that the first event took place at XL in London, then moved to the NEC. It's now become the market leading event. What do you think is the reason for that? That's right. 2015 was the launch year in Excel, and then we've been at NEC since. We were very lucky with our, with our timing, or rather we planned our timing to coincide with Highways Agency becoming Highways England. So there was a new attitude going on within Highways England. The whole system changed when the uh, road investment strategy came in. So suddenly the highway sector went from being a bit of a Cinderella within construction and infrastructure to being the place that had the secure pipeline of work. So we heavily courted Highways England. They have been absolutely fantastic in terms of supporting us. And uh, we've also, from the start, also, also because we don't want to be perceived to be only about the strategic road network, uh, made relationships with people like El Craig and Adept so that we're covering all, all the roads across the UK. It's the fact that we have established good relationships with the client authorities is, is really the, 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 the essence of, of what the event's about. It takes place on the 3rd and 4th of November at the NEC in Birmingham. I can't wait to be there. A real physical event with real people in three dimensions, as I say. And we at Highways Voices are going to be the official podcast provider. You'll be hearing more about Highways UK in the weeks and months to come. And then we will have podcasts from the NEC during the event. Can't wait to do that. Paul, thanks for joining us. Look forward to talking to you more in uh, future podcasts here on Highways Voices. That's it for this week. Thanks to Nick Lanigan for his amazing insight into leadership in the highways and transport technology industry. We'll have another Highways Voices same time next week, half past nine on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 